Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. I'm Simon. And I am Haney. We are Native in Tech, covering the latest from the IT industry with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 237 and is an interview conducted back in May of 2023. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on nativeintech.com, iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. This episode is a recording that I did with Lonike Opsteich at the Power BI Cruise back in May. Enjoy our chat about data, data literacy, and visualization. And we're joined now by Lonike Opsteich. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So you're a pretty new addition to the Power BI community. Yes. Could you tell our uh, listeners a bit of who you are, what you do, and how you came to be in this pretty interesting community? <laughs> yes, of course. Um, well, I'm Lonne Opsteeg. Uh, five years ago, I started as a self-employed with stat stories, statistical stories. Um, because, well, I have a scientific background in medical sciences. And um, after my PhD, I have been searching for what I wanted to become later when I grew up. I don't know. Well, I did find a nice thing to do. I don't know about the growing up just yet, but <laughs> at least I know what I'm doing and I am loving it. Um, yeah, I started. I have a. Well, okay, I'm rambling already. Uh, there's quite a special story about how I started in the data sciences, uh, in the data world, uh, because. After my PhD, I've been searching. As I said, I've been switching between jobs and never really happy. And at some point, I decided, well, I need to take a step back, take a little bit of a distance and... Div yeah. Um, somehow find out what I want. So I went to Ibiza. Ibiza. I don't know the right pronunciation. And I went on a detox and reload vacation, very unscientific. But I needed the distance. Um, and that's also what happened. And in my last night there, I was in my hotel and I thought, well, let's do a bit of the yoga and the breathing exercises to see if I sleep early because tomorrow morning early flight. But I did something wrong and I became hyperactive and my heartbeat was up and I was just completely full of energy. But also with so much oxygen in myself that I was kind of seeing things that were unreal. <laughs> I was hallucinating, more or less. And I saw myself talking about data on a big stage. Um, and I saw myself as an entrepreneur, starting my own company. And it was so clear to me that I wanted to do that, that two days after that, I just quit my job and started. Wow. And before that, I didn't do anything with data. Huh. So let, let's, this is super interesting already. <laughs> let, let's backtrack a bit. Yeah. What was your PhD about? Yeah. Um, I have a PhD in medical sciences, and it's about return to work after a hand injury. So there are a lot of medical reasons why people with a hand injury can't go back to work. But at some point, and in general, that's about 12 weeks after the injury or an operation surgery, um, they should be able to get back to work. But people take up to like 50 weeks 
to get back to work or even longer. So way longer than the medical expected period. And of course, there are hand injuries that are more complex, but well, we talk about statistics on average uh, 12 weeks, but it took a lot longer. So I have a psychosocial component in my studies and I developed a psychosocial treatment with uh, solution focused therapy to help these people get back to work earlier and well, deal with the hand injury in different ways than they would originally do. And, um, yeah, so that was the topic. And you did not do any postdoc, you did your, your no, PhD? I did the PhD and, and then I decided, well, it's a bit too lonely for me as a researcher and too um, not insecure, that's not the right word, but um, unstable or something. You always have to find uh, funding for your research. And the weird thing is that now as a self-employed, I still have very much of a financial insecurities. I'm still working on my own, but now it suits me. And it's by choice. Yeah, it's by choice. Okay. So you saw yourself as an entrepreneur. You saw yourself as running your, your own company and you started your own company. Mm -hmm. What do you do in that company? Yeah. I started with statistical analysis for companies using SPSS because that was what I knew, the statistical program. Um, but I very quickly discovered that my statistical analysis and especially the results were not really leading to actions in companies. And I was like, yeah, but I do want to make some, I do want to make a difference in a company. So quickly I moved towards data communication, uh, data visualization, and now I'm fully focused on dashboard design, uh, Power BI dashboard design, um, with more than just the design part. It's not only the graphical things, but also th helping the company find out what information they need, how they should communicate it to their employees, just everything around the design and the why behind the dashboard and less the technical part. And if you compare what you just said to academia, mm -hmm. um, because ev everybody seems to revere the, the, uh, the way that academia teaches things and, and talks about things. Would you say that it is the same or is it different? Can you repeat it? Sorry. Would you say that um, everything you do now in your yeah. own company, when you, you're talking about um, data visualization yeah. and then making, well, essentially making data matter, as we were talking yeah, about in yeah. my session, uh, would you say that that is something that you got from academia or did no. you need to rethink it? I definitely needed to rethink it. I think academics are quite bad at this. Um, I went to uh, scientific conferences like all over the world and uh, I sometimes was so eager to go to a session of a certain professor somewhere and because the topic was just so much my topic and I was so, I prepared myself by reading their articles and having my questions ready and everything. And then I noticed myself just wandering off in my brain after five minutes of the presentation because it was just endless bullet, point, bullet points or the SPSS charts. Um, it was just no story. There was nothing in it. And other sessions that I didn't expect to think they were interesting, there was a good storyline. It was um, There was so much energy from the speaker. There was 
yeah, it really contributed. And then I think like, okay, maybe the content wasn't for me, but the way they are speaking, the way they are communicating, the result was very interesting. But in general, scientists are not very good at it. So I also teach a course at the university in the Netherlands for PhDs. And I've done that for the last four years already. I had hundreds of PhDs. And I taught them a course about design and illustration, about data visualization, data storytelling. Um, and one session is given by an information designer who is more on the graphical part. She's doing the infographics, the conceptual visualization part. And I'm doing more the, the data visualization part. So I keep having this connection to science because I just love it. <laughs> so that brings us to the question, how did you find the Power BI community? Because yeah. the distance between the Power BI community and, and academia, well, essentially the distance between academia and anything else is kind of... Mm -hmm. It's the ivory tower. Yes. Yes, definitely. It's a, it's a different world. Um, well, I did start with stat stories. And at some point I started renting a uh, office space with other entrepreneurs. And there was someone who was working with data as well. And he was working with... Power BI and we saw, well, there was a connection that was very clear. So we even started a company together for a while, um, but then our philosophies went in different directions, but he um, got me uh, to learn about Power BI. And at first I was like, no, 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 Excel is fine. <laughs> I can do anything with Excel and I cannot do it with Power BI. But then, um, well, when you start learning more and more about Excel, at some point you think like, hmm, am I going to learn about VBA and macros or or am I going to learn Power BI? And that was for me the point like, okay, now it's time to make the switch. Um, and I always said that I want to use the programs that are being used in the businesses that I want to work for. Because as a data phys person, most of them go for uh, Plotly, for Tableau, for programming themselves. But I was like, no, I actually want to stay um, close to the Microsoft <laughs> stack because that's where my clients are. That's where I can make my living. And, and I find that it, it's, it's kind of rare for people to go from academia to the yeah. Microsoft sphere because mm -hmm. in many cases, Microsoft is antichrist essentially on, on the inside <laughs> of, of academia, <laughs> which is unfortunate because yeah just turns into... I wasn't a, a aware of that. There we go. That's good. <laughs> but you've had some experience with uh, Tableau. You've seen Tableau. I've seen it, but I have no experience with it. Right. No. So could you do any comparisons or... No, I'm not going to do that because I, I just... I, I don't have enough... I don't know enough about Tableau to do that. Fair enough. Yeah. So we find ourselves in my cabin on a boat uh, as we yes on do, a cruise on a cruise so how how did you come to submit a session and especially a three-hour session mm -hmm. that we do here on the first power yeah. bi cruise yeah and this is actually my first international session or actually my first session at a power bi event ever really yes I do speak a lot about Power BI and dashboard design, but it's always in courses and workshops and in company things, happenings, but uh, never at a conference. Even though I've been organizing the user group Power BI days in the Netherlands for two years now, um, and I always wanted to be on that stage and speak about, well, 
just sharing my knowledge, sharing my skills. Uh, but it didn't come to it. And now at some point, I don't know why, but I was uh, sleeping at my parents' house. And in the morning, I was just eating my breakfast and checking a bit maybe on LinkedIn. And I just saw the call for speakers coming by. And I was like, hey, that ends today. Let's just write something during my breakfast. And I just wrote a bit and send it in. So that's how I ended up here. So very prepared and all Yes, thought through. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was in the Ibiza during that night, I saw myself on the stage talking about data, as I told you. And um, there was a weird thing about that, which tells me I definitely had too much much oxygen in my mind um, or in my brain, whatever. And um, I saw myself in a Christmas sweater. A Christmas sweater? Yes. Uh-huh. And that night, I got myself to set myself a goal to achieve that, st- stand on that huge stage in front of lots of people, talk about data with a bit of fun, not too serious, in a Christmas sweater. And I said, I need to do that before my 40th birthday. That was last January, but I managed. Last year, in March, at the Power BI user group, I was actually on the stage talking about data, talking about Power BI in a Christmas sweater. (laughs) And I have the greatest picture of it because I was like, this is my chance, I have to do it. So I made it happen. And that somehow also enforced me like, hey, I can do whatever I want. So thinking about new goals. And the international conferences, yes, I like it. So, and I was just going to ask you about that because nobody, um, nobody completes a PhD without having a, a pretty serious ability. Mm-hmm. Because you, you, you were not handed a PhD; you had to fight for your yes, PhD, right? It's been hard work, and you completed it. You, you completed your goals. Now you've set a new goal with a Christmas sweater, which is hilarious, by the way, and you did it. So mm-hmm. what's in store for you going forward? Yeah, yeah. I'm still discovering, I think. I'm learning more and more every day. And I think at some point I know, like, okay, this is my next goal. Um, I work as a freelancer on my own. I am not striving for uh, uh, employees or anything. I don't need to be a big company but maybe it will have to do more with the effect I can have or with sharing my knowledge. If I can teach a large group of people all about communicating their data in better ways, I think that would be a good next goal. And so not only teaching in a course for 10 to 12 people, but be in that big room, be in the 400 people and teach them because then I know the impact of my work would be way bigger than designing dashboard per dashboard one by one that's not really impact true and an impact is always interesting when you talk to a speaker because most of us it is rare for us to get on stage with more than 200 people yeah and then you see people do a half crappy YouTube video and you get thousands of views yeah but I could never do a video. I, I'm horrible at that YouTube stuff. Have, is that anything you've, you've considered? Mm. Or do you prefer to be yeah. on stage? 
I like the interaction within the audience. And uh, with YouTube, most of these videos are always more about the how do you do it? And I'm way more focused on why. And I think that's harder to communicate via YouTube because you need to feel it. And well, there are probably people who know how to trigger emotions via YouTube, definitely. But I'm not yet that person. <laughs> I mean, that, that was a very good way of putting it. Uh, I, I agree. There are probably people that can do it. I, I can't either. And it is so exciting to hear someone say the words that I keep parroting is that it, it's not about the, the what or, mm. or the how. It's yeah. the why. Definitely. And so many times I see people go straight to the, the what or the how, but they completely forget about the why. Mm. How would you say that your approach to, to the whole idea of, of data storytelling and, and, and focusing on the why differs from most everybody else? Do you, do you find that there are a lot of people talking about the how and the why, uh, the, 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 the how and the what and, and forgetting about the why? Or do you see other people talking about the why as yeah. well? I think, well, with lots, and I don't want to uh, be negative about anyone. I love it that people are sharing all their skills and their knowledge. And of course, with every YouTube video, you have to be very, uh, uh, you have to, you, you make a choice. What are you sharing? Um, so very often the videos are more technical. How do I reach a certain end product? How do I make a dashboard look like this or that? Um, well, I think if they would just start with, okay, but why do I want this? I think the videos would have a way bigger impact uh, because people would understand it and also be able to transfer that knowledge to other situations and not only making a prettier filter, but if you know why, you can do it everywhere. So my course is about dashboard design, but I think people's PowerPoint presentations become better as well and their Word documents become better and everything they make has a benefit of knowing a bit about how our brain works, how we uh, see things. Yeah. And we were talking about previously as well when it comes to presentation skills that uh, it's not about the technology. It's about impact. It's about getting people to make the right decisions. And in order for them to make the decision, they need to have data to, to lean on. Yeah. Because if they don't have good data well it just turns into my gut says mm -hmm. and not to to um, say anything bad about it and anybody's guts but i'd much rather have data to to lean on yeah coming from a why perspective how would you say um let me rephrase that what kind of issues do you see with people's approach to to data if people tend to go for the the what or or the how how would you restructure and go for the why in, instead? How would you how would you make your, your data story differently? Hmm. Well, what I very often see, well, let's start different. People um, like to work on the things they're already good at. So data scientists like to work on their data, uh, make the best formulas, the Dux measures, uh, great models, the engineers will do the modeling. I'm, well, I'm clearly not a technical person, uh, but people do what they're good at, and that's a good thing. 
But then they skip the part that they think is more difficult, the visualization part maybe. But for me, I know that my pitfall is that I need to be careful with the data part. Don't go to the design too quickly and just make a messy data model. They are really, they should be intertwined. They're so closely connected to each other. I think a good design is even damaging, more damaging than bad design is if the data um, is flawed. So presenting data in a good way, in a pretty way maybe, reaching people, but the data um, is not correct, that's even worse than having an awful dashboard but, but with the right data in it. Yeah. There, there, there is a uh, saying in English that is, is polishing a turd. Mm -hmm. And I, I absolutely agree with uh, a, a beautiful dashboard or report can make it look like the information is correct. Yeah. Just because you have you a lot of data or, yeah. or nice data doesn't mean that it's correct. Mm -hmm. um, which brings me to one of my pet peeves, quality. Um, quality can mean so many different things for so many different people. And coming from a why perspective, how do you discuss quality with your uh, clients? And then you're referring to data quality. Maybe. Let's hmm. let's stick with <laughs> data quality for for starters of this conversation. Yeah. Well, very often I discover that the data quality is not good enough. They say it's good, and then I'm like, don't mm, roll. No, it's not. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I have to tell them and say like, okay, um, maybe we should even start with a data quality dashboard. Like, hey, this is how much information is missing or uh, wrong entrance or, or whatever it is. Um, just to first clarify that because they are so eager to start working with the dashboard. And I'm like, yeah, but it's too early. You're not there yet. So, yeah. It's important. It is indeed. And it's so so easy to see people just jump straight into the tech. Why yeah. I get to play with yeah. DAX. I had a, a colleague a couple of years back. He was a wizard with DAX. And I figured out that the reason why he was that good with DAX was that he was a horrible data modeler. Mm. So he had to know to... Like to fix things. Yes. Yeah. And then I showed him, well, what if you model like this? Then you can take out 80% of your DAX. And he was just... Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. So th there is there is a place for everything, and yeah. that's also where we come to the definition of quality. What does quality mean in any given conversation? Mm -hmm. um, and you you do not come from a data background, no. which means that your perspective on, on quality differs from someone who does. Yeah. And I can see, and I have seen uh, examples where where uh, you essentially talk right next to each other. You think you're talking about the same thing, but you you don't. Um, for, uh, for a data person, quality might be the absence of, of nulls or the correct data type. For a business person, it might be uh, the right um, accounts in the right place and, and mm -hmm. that stuff. How do, you, how do you approach that kind of conversation when your counterpart it is not necessarily on the same page as you are? Hmm. I have to think about it. Um, yeah, I have my perspective as well of course and i am lucky enough with equipped with some statistical knowledge 
So that would help me. I try to show people like, hey, because something is different, you can even make several visuals like, hey, this is, well, it, the null, for instance. If you add nulls and calculate an average, they are taken into account. If it's empty, it's a different story. So you get a very different outcome. Um, so you can show it to the audience. Also, well, today in my session, I also talked about showing individual values instead of an average. Um, because the distribution of your data is so important for your average. Um, and I can show an average with a standard deviation, but most of my clients, well, standard deviation is kind of an abstract concept for them. They don't understand what it means. Um, so then I start explaining the normal distribution and like, mm, okay, maybe, maybe I'm already going too far with my client at that point. And then showing the individual values, they can see like, hey, we have a cluster of values at one point and then one or two really high ones are low and we really have outliers that um, are, are messing up my average and then say oh yeah then some smart one always says yeah but then you can use the median i'm like okay but then i have to present my interquartile range and they didn't understand the interquartile range so how does that work um yeah so th that's the kind of conversations i have about data quality more from the statistical perspective than the technical perspective i think um, and I can tell them like, hey, they want a certain chart type. And I'm like, well, it shows the data in the wrong way. So let me give you some alternatives. And in general, I can convince them <laughs> with that. But maybe I've been lucky so far. But th this is, is so much fun because I have some statistical background. And I find that most people just space out as soon as you talk about something more complicated than an average. Yeah. And it turns out that the most people do not understand what an average means. Mm -hmm. And bar charts on an average, people don't realize that, no, 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 this is not the top number. It, it's actually, you're going to find values yeah, above yeah. and below. And error bars, when we got that into Power BI, that was such yeah. a huge thing and very few people use it. But, but still, I think we should make, uh, it, it should be made very clear, is your error bar your min-max value? Or your standard deviation? What are you showing with your error bars? Again, assumption is the mother of all. Oh. Indeed. Yeah. And your approach of, of visualizing a statistical analysis of, of data, it, it's something that I would love to be able to do. I, I don't think I have the, the, um, the skills necessary to, to connect the dots, if you will. It, it's, it's clear in my head, but I... I I find that I lack the the um, the vocabulary to explain the statistics yeah. to to somebody else yeah. because I don't know the statistics well enough. Your your experience as as a researcher clearly has has given you that. Yeah, that's an interesting approach. Also for me, I'm just at some point, but there are a lot of people who know way more about statistics than I do. So they come up to me like, hey, but you forget all about, uh, well, you talk about the normal distribution, but there are other distributions as well. And yeah, then they go beyond my knowledge. Sure. So and then we're yeah. back to tech. Yeah. It's not about the tech. It's about the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, you seem to found this, this perfect level of s using statistics mm -hmm. for actually doing something. Because so, so many times I see people get 
locked into the minutiae of statistics. Mm-hmm. Statistics takes on a life of its own. Yeah. And then it we're becomes back the goal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think for most companies, I thought I would do more real statistical analysis like um, factor analysis and multiple regression analysis. And I don't. The data is not ready for it. The company is not ready for it. They should just start with counting the number of employees they have. Sometimes that's even a difficult one. Um, and finding out how their company is evolving over time and how they are close to their targets or not. I also have the... Uh, I always ask a question. If you have a target, how hard is your target? Is there a... Uh, um, the, 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 how do you call it? The bandwidth of happiness? No, I... In Dutch, I have a word for it. I don't know it. Um, But if, let's say, you want to earn in a year 100,000 euros, when are you happy? Is that at 100,000 and one? Does that really make you a lot happier than 100,000 or 999,990 euros? Are you crying? Did you not reach your goal? So where is does it start where does it end um therefore i'm so happy with the new error bonds uh, i always use them because like earning two euros less than last year is not worth an alert it's just not worth it so define very clearly with the client when is an alert actually meaningful relevant significant um, and yes, we can say we are going to work with real statistical analysis and statistical significance and like three standard deviations from your etc. Make it a real statistical analysis and you have an XMR chart who does that for you. You don't have to do it yourself. There are custom visuals for that. Uh, but you can also, as a starter, just say, hey, what percentage uh, is allowed as a deviation from your target? Um, that's already a good start for most companies. So we don't even get to the statistical analysis in most cases. I've talked to so many data scientists, or especially budding data scientists, that are looking at this bright future. They're, they're, you can see it in their eyes. They're, they're dreaming of doing really impactful work. Yeah. And six months later, they come back and they're, they're just devastated. Mm-hmm. Everything is boring. All the data is crap. Nobody has a clue. They have to do sums. And <laughs> min max exactly, <laughs> and yeah. and I think we've we've kind of oversold the idea of data science going to solve everything because it's not. No. And at the end of the day, it, it's back. Maybe to not basic yet. Stuff. Let's be hopeful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're more positive than I am. <laughs> but yes. Maybe I'm new in the field. <laughs> Says the PhD. Yeah. But yeah, no. So so there there are so many unfulfilled promises in data and data analysis and I, I i'm dying to see where we go from from here yeah yeah so um i'm gonna ask you something that it, 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 it's a horrible question but i'm gonna do it anyways if you were to give two tips for just about any client that you talk to what what is it what are the the, the two things that you need to do at every client regardless of what they they work with Think about your information structure. Just even before starting to work with data, don't come with 20 KPIs. 
what is really necessary, how do they relate to each other, um, and based on that I can build a proper wireframe for my dashboard, a navigation structure, um, that's very helpful. So decide what you want and I can help you do that. I can have a workshop with design thinking and find out what your key uh, performance indicators, KPIs are. Um, but before that, don't just start with Power BI because of the tool, because it's new, because it's flashy. Don't do it. Um, and I think it's very important. Uh, sometimes you get the manager that says, okay, now we're going to work with Power BI. He is like the, the, the product owner. He's the only one um, I'm allowed to talk to. Like, no, there are more end users. I want to speak to every one of them. Or, well, not every end user. Sometimes it's possible, mostly not, but at least some representative of every kind of end user. So maybe someone who's actually on the floor, they would get job, some manager, some executive, I don't know. I need to talk to them to know what kind of people they are and um, involve them in the process. So I have several feedback sessions. I want them to talk to each other, to have the fights with each other. I don't want to be the middleman who's fighting them separately no they should together find out um what should be the content so it's not about the chart type not about the color the font type the actual measure that i make it's really the, the whole process behind it and how can you integrate it into your entire business process that's two top tips right there and time flies when you have fun. Mm -hmm. It's been 30 minutes yes. already. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a great conversation. Thank you very much for inviting me in your cabin on the cruise. <laughs> in my cabin on the cruise. And what happens on the cruise stays on the cruise. So again, thank you so much for coming on. Yes. And have a wonderful rest of the conference. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Need Even Tech. Nidibin Tech is a bi-weekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Arvidsson, Simon Binder, and Haini Hilmaninen. If you have any feedback, questions, or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at